0: You're listening to No Lies Radio, coming to you 24-7 from the San Francisco Bay Area, north of Berkeley. Your radio station for the truth,
1: peace, justice, freedom, and more power to the people.
2: Hi, welcome to the Kate Valentine UFO Show. This is Kate Valentine, and we're here with you live and streaming on the web. This and every Friday at 1, and again on Sundays at 4, on 1160 WVNJ. Today, we are privileged to have as our guest, Arthur Campbell. Mr. Campbell is, in a real sense, a link to the early beginnings of today's ufology. Having actually personally known and worked with Donald Kehoe, a name very familiar to ufologists. Art has been interested in UFO research since the 50s. He was an early NICAP investigator. He is now a retired teacher, school administrator, a Navy veteran, and a published author of the Pacific Northwest. In 1994, with a map from a rancher, he visited a UFO crash site on the plains of St. Augustine. He found a phenomenal amount of material and had it scientifically analyzed. Now, in his book, which is The UFO Crash at St. Augustine, Art has painstakingly documented, with over 100 photographs and lab analysis, the materials found at the site. Mr. Campbell has worked with Donald D. Kehoe, as I mentioned before. uh, Kehoe was the founder of the well-known early UFO organization known as NICAP, the National Investigations Committee on Aerial Phenomena. And um, I must again remind our audience of the caliber of the researchers in this scoffed-at field. Mr. Campbell is indeed a published author, historian, and educator. We have also invited guests who are doctors, retired, high-ranking military officers, physicists, sociologists, economists, Economists. I had a hard time with that course in school, too. Historians, and these are just some of the very highly educated and respected individuals that are involved with this area of interest, which begs the question of why this subject is so ignored or laughed at by the general press. Now, today's topic will concern a meeting between then-sitting President Eisenhower and the occupants of a DISC, so flying saucer, flying disc, whatever it happened in 1955 now since history and presidents are part of this I think it's appropriate to quote some of our presidents on the subjects of UFOs and we're going to start actually way back in World War I with Woodrow Wilson Woodrow Wilson uh was then ahead of um, actually he started the uh, what became the precursor of the United Nations it was the League of Nations <coughs> excuse me and uh this is what he had to say some of the most important men in the US are afraid of something they know that there is a power somewhere so organized so subtle so pervasive so watchful and so complete that they had better not speak above their breath when they speak in condemnation of it. Now, this is back in the 1914s, and that was directly from the president. Then, uh, just moving on historically, we have the 1947 crash at Roswell, and again, another crash right around that time on the plains of St. Augustine. This, uh, this story was covered by our guest, Arthur Campbell, in his book. Now, right after the 47 crash, we had the creation of the CIA three months later. And at that time, General Nathan Twining sent a message to then President Truman. And in it, he said to Truman that the alien issue was bigger than the Manhattan Project. That was the project that developed the atomic bomb. And required that it be managed on a larger scale and obviously for a longer period. They then, in other words, the government, would form nothing less than a government within the government, sustaining itself from presidential administration to presidential administration, regardless of whatever political party took power, and ruthlessly guarding their secrets while evaluating every new bit of information on flying saucers that they received. But at the same time, they would allow disclosure of some of the most far-fetched information, whether true or not, because it would help create a climate of public attitude that would be able to accept the existence of extraterrestrial life without a general sense of panic. Then, so in other words, we're starting here a government within a government. This was known as MAJIC, M-A-J-I-C. That's a story for another hour. After that, there was the huge 1952 UFO flap that involved two flybys over Washington, D.C. on successive weekends that were impervious to any Air Force efforts to stop them. Now, now we come up to Eisenhower's alleged, but I believe, actual encounter with a flying disc at Holloman Air Force Base. Not a general aviation, but an Air Force Base. That'll be the subject of today's discussion Then, ten years later, after that, JFK, John F. Kennedy, instructs the uh, CIA to, and I quote, I've instructed then-NASA Administrator James Webb to develop a program with the Soviet Union in joint space and lunar exploration. It would be very helpful if you would have the high-threat cases reviewed. With the purpose of identification of bona fide as opposed to classified CIA and U.S. Air Force sources. It is important that we make a clear distinction between the knowns and the unknowns. Then we have President Carter becoming president, and he is quoted as promising to disclose any and all information concerning UFOs, but he fails to do so after he takes office. Then we have Ronald Reagan with his very famous United Nations quote, That was also backed up by then-Premier Gorbachev. And Reagan goes on to say, In our obsession with antagonisms of the moment, we often forget how much unites all the members of humanity. Perhaps we need some outside universal threat to make us recognize this common bond. I occasionally think how quickly our differences worldwide would vanish if we were facing an alien threat from outside of this world. And yet, I ask, is not an alien force already among us? And that was from Reagan. Now, during the Clinton administration, NASA found the Martian meteorite, ALH 84001. And as we announced last week, uh, NASA now thinks that the most likely explanation is that it is biological in origin, that is, the fossils found on that um, meteorite. Back then, Clinton claimed that this is a product of years of exploration by some of the world's most distinguished scientists. If this discovery is confirmed, and now it has been, it will surely be one of the most stunning insights into our universe that science has uncovered. Its implications are as far-reaching and awe-inspiring as can be imagined. Finally, in today's news, we have the governor of Russia saying that he would not have believed if there had not been three witnesses, his driver, a minister, and his assistant, and he said that he was abducted by alleged aliens that spoke with him telepathically. We had the First Lady of Japan claiming to have been abducted. And finally, we have the brand new Prime Minister of England, David Cameron, who is quoted as saying, He is convinced the Earth has been visited by aliens and vows to publish any secret files that may exist on UFOs if I become Prime Minister. Aliens in UFOs have visited the Earth, says David Cameron. So that's some pretty interesting quotes, and I think what it does is seem to uh, give us an idea that there really is something to this. And to help us along with that, Art Campbell is going to be back with us right after a short break. And we'll be taking that break right now. Thank you. Welcome back to the Cape Valentine UFO Show on 1160 WVNJ. For those just joining us, our guest today is noted historian, ufologist, Arthur Campbell. Please join us in this conversation by expressing your views. You can call us toll free at 800-962-1160 or you can go to our website, AtlanticCoastUFOs.com. Welcome to the show, Mr. Campbell. How are you doing?
1: We're doing just fine. Uh, it's a beautiful day here and we're
2: ready to go. Okay, great. I'll tell you, I have been fascinated with this story for such a long time and I'm so glad to be able to speak to you about it. There's so many um, claims that, oh, Roswell was the big thing or, or, you know, Rendlesham was the big thing. I think this meeting between Eisenhower and supposedly a flying disc is one of the major, major UFO stories.
1: I, I well, it, it is, and it's breaking news. It came in yesterday. Oh yeah. One, one of your retiring legislators out there from New Hampshire named uh, McElroy uh-huh. uh, had seen a briefing that that, uh, that uh, and uh, uh, to Eisenhower uh, uh, concerning meetings with extraterrestrials.
2: Get out of here! I I missed that one. Oh uh, it? yeah,
1: it's on the internet, and any of your folks who want to, want, to, uh, want to Google Representative McElroy, I believe, it's New Hampshire. Okay. It's
2: all over the internet. Oh wow! See that
3: you're as we
1: speak. So <laughs> good timing,
2: huh? Ah, <laughs> you're a man ahead of your time, I'll tell you. Wow, that's tr- well. You know, I, 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 you had so many witnesses. I've read. Thank you. You sent me so much material. It Was so helpful. Thank you. Uh, what tipped you off to this story? How did you uncover it? I mean, how? You know, '55 was quite some time ago. How did you ever realize that well, something happened? Well, I was happened?
1: five years out of high school, one year out of the service. Okay and was in a junior college at the time, and i will going to skip forward about 50 years.
2: Okay.
3: <laughs> I received
1: about five years ago a letter from a man who was stationed there who was a medic. His name is Manuel Kirkman. Okay. And uh, he said that uh, Eisenhower came there in 55. Uh, he wasn't sure when. We finally established uh, about when it would be, and uh, that, um, that he was uh, supposed to be, Standing in a parade for Eisenhower, which means a red carpet, uh, you know, getting off the airplane, treatment, that kind of thing. Well, you know, that's it's, what they call the parade.
2: Sure, it's an Air Force and, base, uh, and the president's coming. You'd expect
1: right, them to be prepared. and they were all uh, up about it. And their supervisors went to a meeting, and they said, "We're calling the parade off. The meeting is secret." Hmm. Eisenhower was sneaking away from a hunting trip in Georgia, and there were some thirty people there of uh, the press corps. Uh, outside this plantation, which they wouldn't allow him in there, where I had the sniffles. Okay. And uh, he had the sniffles for some 36 hours.
3: Yeah. <laughs> and
1: we think he got on a plane at night, came to Holloman at a meeting, and got, got back for him. I knew it. And that was February 11th, the 12th, 1955. Wow. Anyhow, this uh, airman said that he was at the hospital when I came in, mm-hmm. and people kept coming in saying, did you see the flying disc hang over the flight line? Uh, and he then later on went to coffee, and we could have a recording I We do have his voice. Okay. Uh, talking about some of the things that he overheard. Wow. And later on the day, he actually saw Ike's plane leave. Okay. But, um, so we had a, and then we found two other witnesses um, a, an Air Force man who came in the day before mm-hmm. with some cargo. And when Ike landed the, the next morning, they wouldn't let him leave anybody. Uh, uh, they didn't want any traffic on that airport. They only had one long runway, and Eisenhower's plane was uh, down at the end of one the long one. And uh, and then we found a, uh, a daughter who was from the, uh, the Auburn, Nebraska area, in mm-hmm. Common County, I believe. She Her dad was an electrician there, Okay. and he went up on a light pole and was run off by a UFO. Wow. And so uh, they apparently had one landed in front of Air Force One and one... Trying to ride a shotgun around the perimeter of the airport to make sure nobody got out the <laughs> field. I think it's incredible myself. It really is. Uh, yeah,
2: but, it, you know, it, it's so important. Now, also, I, you know, I, I've been reading through your stuff, and I've found that they turned the radar off. Now, that's interesting because, obviously, the radar they didn't need for, for Air Force One. They were constant radio communication. So, right, yeah. so the reason they turned radar off in that area was so that other things would not be picked up. In other words, they didn't even want any radar coverage of these two blips coming in.
1: Uh, I believe that there's another theory, mm-hmm. uh, Jackie, and that is that we had Doppler radio ra- radar in those days, which was fairly new. Right. And uh, I believe that it did interfere with the guidance system of uh, UFOs. That may have been oh. uh, the reason for the UFOs coming down at Roswell. And uh-huh. another one, by the way, I'm working another crash site over on the plains of San Augustine. the same week, apparently, it happened. And, um may I mention my website?
2: Oh, please do. Yeah, I was going to yeah, ask uh, you anyway.
1: Yeah, I'll just think of, uh, Crash Book, and it's www.crashbook, uh uh-huh. Book, UFO Crash Book, sorry, uh, dot com. And, uh, all that's on there, and, and uh, we have a seven part series on, on a, on an Eisenhower article uh, we're going to talk about today. Mm-hmm. And all they have to do is click, I like Ike, and it will come up.
2: Oh, boy, those are good so, old days. You can get to the, <laughs> the
1: website will get you a whole lot of new information. But the McElroy thing, they'll have to Google themselves, because I don't have it on my site. Oh, that's (laughs) okay. Too many yesterday.
2: Oh, oh, unbelievable. Well, you know, that is the other thing. When you say, I like Ike, uh, he was such a well-known figure at the time, a military-bearing. He he was fairly bald at the time, before it was popular to be bald. I mean, he was an unmistakable figure. And, uh, And also, these were military people. These were people who would recognize the president so when they say a man left Air Force One, I'm sure they knew who it was now the, the thing that I don't get is uh, you mentioned that the uh, flying disc itself put down a ramp for uh, for what I'm going to say is Eisenhower to walk up into the saucer
1: yeah uh, they, the, they, uh, apparently the, the disc uh, the smaller ones uh, sit off the ground about five and a half feet Mm-hmm. And so if you're going to get into it, um, you will need some kind of a, of a, of a ramp that uh, I imagine they use it themselves.
2: Right, sure, sure. It would be a long jump. And then they, they mentioned that he shook hands. Uh, was anybody, Now, I know the tower guys have binoculars. Did anybody, has anyone contacted you with any idea of what or who he shook hands with?
1: Well, there are several theories, uh-huh. uh, and we're going to deal with several of these today. Okay, great. And one of the popular ones is that, first of all, let me, let me tell you that the reason they picked Hobbit Air Force Base was a secure base. Mm-hmm. Everybody oh. there practically had a secret clearance, so it was easy to kind of keep things quiet. And they did a good job. quiet for 50 years.
2: They sure did.
1: So this one guy came out, yeah. And... Uh, so they put the airplane, plane, down at the end of the far runway, which was about a half mile from where any of the workers were on the base. There's 15,000, uh, Air Force and civilian workers at Holloman Air Force Base. It is not a small base.
3: No, I and didn't. So they
1: put the plane at the far end, then they had the UFO land. Okay. On the back side of the plane so you couldn't see it.
3: Oh, okay, okay. And
1: the, uh, that most people couldn't see it. Huh. And, uh but the, the, the tower is about halfway between uh, the flight line where all the people uh, there were some people there working uh, and by the way they end this is going to be business as usual day and boy they really they really pulled it off that's exactly what happened and and uh, but the the people in the tower uh, could see uh, some of what was going on but the hatch of the UFO apparently was turned away from the uh, by by uh, Probably by uh, by by design, they did, they did deliberately he turned away, so you couldn't see inside. So, so this uh, it's this was pl- that he was shaking hand with an alien, or it's also conceivable that he, one of his Secret Service agents uh, spoke eight languages, and uh, it's possible that they had stopped over at the White Sand Monument, picked up the Secret Service agent, and he was greeted at the door by the Secret Service agent. Who we don't know. There's several theories.
2: This is Kate Valentine. I'm speaking with Arthur Campbell on the UFO Show on 1160 WVNJ. Very, very interesting history here. What do you think about all this? Please give us a call, 800-962-1160, or you can post your comments and questions on our website, AtlanticCoastUFOs.com. Uh, uh, okay, i uh, uh, Arthur, I was also when you said White uh, White Sands, uh, that I think Operation Paperclip was still in, in effect at that time over there. That's, that... that's
1: right. They were down at the White Sands proving ground.
2: Mm-hmm. That's pretty uh, close, was right?
1: Right next to Holloman Air Force Base. They, are the ones that had the big radar. Okay. They were tracking missiles.
2: Oh, okay. And, okay. And, uh,
1: so the base had a radar, and then the White Sands also had a big Doppler radar,
2: mm-hmm.
3: and
1: they asked them to shut it down. Uh, when the uh, UFOs got within 30, 40 miles.
2: So this was very well planned. It
1: was very well planned. Yeah, this was not... Really well planned.
2: Yeah. Now, you know, there's always people that say a lot of these early flying saucers was the German Horton wing. Um, Any chance of that being the case, do you
1: think? Well, they did not discourage that, Jackie. Okay. Uh, uh, That's part of the security we had, uh, I was, uh, was about a year away from getting involved in UFOs. Okay. I'd read a book and I thought it was possible and so forth. I was a pretty, pretty average Joe in the, in the, in the mid 50s. Okay. And uh, I got, later I got to know more about it. Mm hmm. But, uh, uh, yeah, the uh, w- w- I missed your question. Re- re- repeat that again, for me.
2: Oh yeah, I, I was just wondering uh, since this was like a flying disc, a flying saucer, whatever, and it was right close to White Sands, I was oh, wondering yes. uh, if Let's there see. was any chance of that being the Horton Wing. If well, they fly-
1: uh, I- I- it doesn't. Oh, uh, yeah, the White Horton Wing. Yes, that would be the flying wing that. Um,
2: I-
3: but I uh, don't. We-,
1: s- we had in those days, right. and uh, our craft was round. Apparently, there were two of them came in over. Low over the uh, White Sands Monument area.
3: Mm-hmm. On
1: one side of holman Air Force Base is White Sands Monument, which, by the way, is a national park.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, your folks uh, can ever get out that way, but down there, and it's a beautiful, beautiful White Sands with some yucca plants here. And it's quite picturesque.
2: Yes. Next to that is the
1: air base, and then I think on the other side is the White Sands National Monument, where they um, uh, is. I'm sorry, the White uh, the those days was white sand proving grounds right and um, they eventually got 4 million acres wow uh, of New Mexico land from the ranchers and that isn't a hard thing isn't the easy thing to do oh my lord Uh, and and so it went all the way up to the trinity site which is where we tried out the first nuclear bomb right and uh, up to uh, highway 380 so um, we're looking here at a very large uh, site so there was uh, some, some, uh, tourist, uh, spots down there at the White Sands Monument, but you could drive in there, I think maybe it's, uh, 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 five or ten square miles. And then there was the base, and then there was the White Sands Monument, which were connected with the base, and that's where a lot of the civilians, I tell you, we had 5,000 civilians there. A lot of them worked at the, uh, at the White Sands, uh, uh, Missile Range.
2: Okay, uh, we're going to have to take a short break. But, you know, I think there's a lot of people here in the audience that may have been out in that area at that time. And uh, if you were, and if you have any information to add to this, I know Art Campbell would love to hear about it. Um, This is Kay Valentine. I am speaking with Art Campbell on the UFO Show on 1160 WVNJ. And, again, we'd love to hear your comments, your thoughts. Give us a call, 800-962-1160 or you can post your comments and questions on our website, AtlanticCoastUFOs.com. Or you can go right to Art's website, which is, I believe, an art i got to check with you after the break. It's UFOCrash.com. If that's incorrect, we'll correct crash that. Oh, Crashbook. book.
1: UFOCrashbook.com.
2: Okay. Thank you. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Kate Valentine UFO Show. We're on 1160 WVNJ. For those just joining us, our guest today is noted ufologist Art Campbell. Please join with us by expressing your views. You can call us a call toll free, 800-962-1160 you can go to our website atlanticcoastufos.com. Uh, Art, just before we go, um, well, first of all, thank you, Ron and Brent, for your encouragement. Thanks, guys. And Brenda once uh, has a question. She said she can't imagine Secret Service allowing the president to go into a craft. I was thinking maybe they used a decoy, but the aliens are probably too smart for that.
1: Man. Is she online or do we have her live?
2: Oh, uh, that's just a web question. And oh, then, sure. And then uh, but, sh-
1: this is the question we've all had. Well, you know. And, uh, and you know, so there's got to be some compromise made somewhere along the line. And, I, and, um, my guess is that they had set this up ahead of time.
3: Yeah, right. And he,
1: he knew what he was doing. Now, uh, it's a good question because they took 13 Secret Service agents on this trip uh. to, to, to Thomasville, Georgia. And, uh, half of them stayed there and pretended Ike was there going in and out of the, with a van. Oh, the other half, I, I think, went with him. Huh. So he was amply covered in the plane. But, uh, as I understand it, he came out by himself. This was one brave dude.
3: Uh, he, uh, absolutely. <laughs> and,
1: and, uh, walked over there. I think it was prearranged. Uh, I understand he'd been in contact with him before. He says, I want to see one of these craft. <laughs> you know, that's fine.
2: Well, he was the head, and
1: uh, and, uh, and uh, so they set it up for it at Holloman, and I think there were was one before that, and two afterwards.
2: Wow,
1: wow. meetings. But wow. I don't know whether at Holloman or not.
2: Well,
3: but
1: we had the same questions, but uh, apparently uh, there's a point where uh, they they can be assured that he's going to be okay, and uh, and um, but I imagine there were some nervous Secret Service guys. Uh, Looking out the porthole of that plane.
2: Well, you know, Eisenhower was the general of all the forces in World War II. This was a battle-hardened general. I mean, this was no yeah. uh, no you know Sunday morning quarterback uh, by
1: any he, means. He had such leadership qualities that George C. Marshall, who was uh, our. Uh, uh, It's part of our uh, entire military apparatus during World War II. Had reached down into a list of 60 colonels Mm -hmm. and picked the man who could um, lead and inspire and get along with a lot of people. He he had to also get along with some cantankerous British officers, one of them being uh, Montgomery. Right. And uh, I think that's possibly. One of the reasons this this man was chosen, he was he was a, he had a diplomatic way of handling things, and he certainly did a great job for us in World War II. That's for sure.
2: So you're saying if he could handle Montgomery, he could handle the aliens? Is that it?
1: <laughs> well, uh, I don't know. Um, the uh, Congressman uh, Representative McElroy's tape. If you get a hold of it.
2: Okay, I will says they were living
1: here, that they were that they were living here with us.
2: Hmm.
1: So. Um, My guess is they may have had a mole or so here, Mm -hmm. and uh, they made the contact uh, to get uh, Ike to the meetings. So they may have already had somebody here speaking our language and so forth, and uh, so it wasn't like uh, going out and saying, take me to your leader, and then nobody understanding anything.
2: Well, yeah, it's, so. in, it's interesting, too, because this was 55, and in 52, they had that flyby, Washington, D.C.
1: Yes, um, yes, in July.
2: Yeah, and Frank Ficino was on, and he was saying how that the uh, two weekends in a row, they just flew right over the Capitol. It was almost like, haha, try to catch us. And, yes, and yes. after that proof that we could not do anything really against them, and now we have Eisenhower meeting with them in 55, I, I think it was a little bit more than coincidence here.
1: Well, uh, now, uh, also, Jackie, bear in mind, there are probably hundreds of races out there who know about us. Yeah, You think so. And, uh, and so it very well could be that we had uh, had kind of stepped on the toes of one race and said we'd better do a flyby. Mm-hmm. Okay. We're really here. And then, uh, I understand there were four different, uh, races or entities that uh, he may have met with. We know there were at least three meetings. Maybe a fourth. So, they, it may not be the same ones that flew over Washington.
2: Okay, that's a very good... I hadn't thought of that, but that's quite... You know what amazes me is that we've had about over 15 people on that have been what I considered serious ufologists. Every one of them share your opinion that there are aliens and that they are visiting here. Uh, No one seems to feel that this is anything other than that. And and so it's interesting that you also feel that.
1: Well, uh, once you get into this... Uh, it's a fairly logical assumption, Jack, if somebody's in those craft. Right. Or controlling them. With a lot of them we think are remotely controlled. Okay. But the larger ones then, uh, apparently have uh, aliens in them. And we're not even sure the aliens are, uh, are, are, are thinking people like us. They may be clones who are programmed to operate these UFOs. Because the understanding is some of them we've captured have been alive um uh, we're, we're obviously not, uh, of, of, of a thinking race of people. Apparently they're very intelligent and, uh, and they're, they're, they're sort of made to fit those craft. Right. And Colonel Corso said he thought they sat in a chair and were part of an integrated system of just leaning one way and leaning the other way and that, that craft went that way. And so uh, they're part of this, the mechanism. So it very well may be that th- these people are, are cloned like Dolly the Sheep. Well um, they, they don't, to, to operate UFOs
2: they don't even have to be cloned. I mean today's air force the their uh, the guidance system just uh, fits to the uh, back of the pilot's eyeball wherever he looks, that's where the plane goes so
1: uh, well, one of the things that we found uh, down on the plane of San augustine, and if you if your folks want to get to that uh I know they're all some are driving right now on those freeways and so forth, but if you get home mm-hmm. uh, get to that UFOcrashbook.com, com you'll see some of the things we found. And Colonel Corso, who was from uh, your area back there, I believe, uh, yes, Colonel so Corso, uh, said that they had uh, taken uh, artificial parts and added them to biological entities to make them more suitable for traveling in space. Okay. And we found some a piece of something at the last site where we, we we were digging. I've been there almost fourteen years now.
3: Oh, really?
1: We had at least seven digs. Yes. So everything that uh, that we found at the um, at the UFO crash site, uh, is, uh, uh, shown on the screen on, on that website.
3: Uh, I, I,
1: and, uh, then if you want to go, uh, click the Eisenhower, just find the button, and I like that and click it on. But, so, uh, we found a lot of things, and uh, we think one of them is a body part. Made out of polyethylene, it's kind of like Tupperware.
2: Oh. That's interesting. um, Now, you had uh, that analyzed, too, I would assume. We have
1: had it analyzed and reanalyzed, and then the analysis analyzed. (laughs) Um, Well, believe me, everybody says coverware. Okay. Uh, Everybody thinks of Jell-O or something. Well, apparently it had been hardened in the sand. Okay.
3: It
1: had been soft at one time. It had been a bag. It may have been in the heart, but I'm not sure.
2: Okay. Well, this is Kate Valentine. I'm speaking with Art Campbell on the UFO Show on 1160 WVNJ. Very interesting stuff here. What do you think of all this? Please give us a call, 800 1160 or post your comments and your questions on our website, AtlanticCoastUFOs.com. Y- you know, to get back to Philip Corso, he, another quote from him is, uh, he felt that Eisenhower made a pact with the devil that day. Um, and a lot of people feel that perhaps there's been some collusion between our government and uh, the UFOs, and it seems like... You know, the more you get into this, the more that may be possible. What do you? What, what's your feelings
1: on that? I think that they probably have a very wise policy. That would be the aliens, and I'm talking about all races of aliens who might be interested in us. Okay, uh, they probably have a hands-off policy. They're not going to interfere with our, our wars, or, or uh, even health matters.
3: Okay.
1: Uh, now they are obviously interested. The most thing they're interested in, we believe is our nuclear testing but, and that we had got, we had uh, done hundred eighty of them by the middle of nineteen fifty five and uh, so apparently that's one thing that got their attention
2: what do you think is our, that our
1: nuclear bomb being set off
2: why would you think that would be get their attention i mean of all things uh... obviously well, i
1: think it, it has implications for uh... for uh, for things in space that we, we, we may not be aware of it, it, it isn't just something going on, on the planet there are, there are chain reactions that we may be setting off chain reactions million oh. miles away as a result of oh. the public or uh, a hydrogen bomb
2: whoa oh wow well on, on that thought we'll take a quick break uh, Kate Valentine speaking with Arthur Campbell on 1160 WVNJ what do you think about nuclear testing give us a call 800-962-1160 Post your comments, your questions on our website, AtlanticCoastUFOs.com. We'll be right back. <clears throat> Hello, welcome back to the Cape Valentine UFO Show on 1160 WVNJ. For those just joining us, our guest today is the noted historian, ufologist, Arthur Campbell. Please join with us by expressing your views on this very interesting time in history, the 1950s. You can give us a call, toll free, 800-962-1160. Go to our website, AtlanticCoastUFOs.com. Art, while we were at break, uh, an interesting question came from Blair. He wanted to know if anyone had ever contacted you as far as keeping you quiet. Had
1: that happened? Well, uh, I'm not sure. But let me tell you, I have my computer sitting looking out the window, and one day a black car pulled up. Uh-oh. And two guys got out with Uh-oh. a white shirt and uh, uh, dark suits and sunglasses.
3: Uh-oh. And I, thought, uh, I handled
1: my lawyer. He says, keep this card by your door. If anybody comes to so you, tell them you're represented by me, and then you don't have to talk to them. Okay. So I had to, I, I had to go ready to go get that card to hand to <laughs> and uh, one guy pulls out a black a briefcase. I said, boy, oh, these guys are black all the way through. So anyhow, I opened the door with great trepidations, and there's two Mormon missionaries. Oh, really? <laughs> I said, come on in, whatever you're drinking, I'm pouring. <laughs> and uh, the headwise wanted we had a nice discussion. I said, uh, I know how it would feel to be uh, approached, but uh, I'm waiting for the other shoe to drop. I've been dealing okay. with stuff really top secret, and it's... Somebody out there still may may resent it, but uh, uh, not really.
3: Okay, well,
1: not, not yet. What? Hey, you were talking about security. You you were interested uh, in uh, by, by contact with Harry Truman. Where, at uh, in uh, I mentioned to you the letter. Uh huh. You want to hear about that?
2: Yeah, actually, yeah. Truman was okay. one of my favorites. He's a great guy. Yeah,
1: uh, this is President Harry Truman, ex president. Right. Um, he, he had been a. Um, short tail relative, he didn't know me and I didn't know him, mm-hmm. but I was out in Independence, Missouri in the late 1970s, I'd gone to, sorry, 50s, I was going to art school in the Kansas City area with the Kansas City, Kansas City Art Institute there. Uh huh. And um Truman had opened his uh, museum and library out there with great fanfare about six months before, and it's on the, uh, uh style Truman Boulevard, and um I just pulled on in as a, a kind of a, a uh, a, a, uh, has something to do.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And, uh, I, I went in the library and signed in and everything, and I was looking at a piece of sculpture, and over to my, my right shoulder, uh, in walks Harry Truman with the driver. Huh. And so, uh, I knew that we had some common things in common, so I thought, well, here's my time to talk to the president. So, he was a very friendly man, loved to talk, to, to see people around his museum.
3: hmm.
1: And, uh, he was busy that day, but, uh, he walked over and put his hand out. I said, My art camel. I said, I'm a friend of, uh, Ross Cogg. Oh, yeah. Ross had been a military officer just about Korea.
3: Had
1: mm-hmm. been in Korea. And, uh, and I told him about my father. was, he he knew about my father. He hadn't had the privilege of meeting him. And I said, By the way, Mr., uh, Mr., I think I called him Mr. Uh, Truman, um, did you, uh, have you ever met, uh, uh, do you know who Donald, Donald Kehoe? Have you ever met Donald Kehoe? Well, he was the original NICAP, uh guy who kind of broke all this into the uh, uh, UFO information into, into, into the civilian sector.
3: Oh, he, he didn't was have a, anything in anything
1: those days. I, I'd been an investigator for him at one time.
2: Yeah, he
3: was a he major said, no, force.
1: I had the privilege of meeting him. I, he was I said, "Well, he's with NICAP. Huh. and uh, he says, NICAP? I said, "The National Investigation Committee on Aerial Phenomena."
3: Uh-huh. He,
1: uh huh. He still looked a little quizzical. Okay. And I said, "They study flying saucers." Uh huh. Well, I'm I talking about uh, the face dropped and uh, uh, the smile went away, and <laughs> he was cordial, but he kind of gritted on his teeth. of Campbell, I got your work to do. was nice talking to you. <laughs> <And started laughs> off. So uh, yeah, it was a it was a memorable occasion. I don't know whether he remembered it now, but I sure
2: did. Oh, that's funny. That's that's so you didn't get an, uh, a chance to talk to him about Mayjack and all those secret stuff. Huh? No, no, uh, huh? believe me.
1: Uh, <laughs> I, 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 I'm, I'm glad I didn't talk any longer. My my father would have found out about it and been in big trouble.
2: <laughs> that's that's pretty cool. It's it's funny when you get these chance meetings with celebrities and uh, you know former presidents oh, yeah. and so I, on. yeah, and
1: and, it, and, I, and I I really you know I was, well, this is my chance to find out. i and think and I I I I, I it all out. So yeah,
2: well, well uh, anyway. But, you know, I'll tell you, the other thing I was thinking of with uh, Philip Corso saying that Eisenhower made a pact with the devil. Do you think when he, you know, when he left office, he gave his famous speech about being beware of the military industrial complex. Do you think that was part of the whole thing, that the fact that he thought that maybe we were getting too much military, too much in industry from these secrets?
1: Oh, you know, uh, it's, uh the, these people in the uh, high government places, including the Pentagon and the White House,
3: mm-hmm.
1: all have opinions, mm-hmm. and uh, and uh, they're not necessarily uh, true because they happen to be some some uh, high uh, person in the in the government. They all have opinions, and so uh, Corso, I believe, has served on Eisenhower's um, uh, uh, national security staff as an advisor, and. Uh, so he had some contact with the administration, and I'm sure the president knew who he was. Of course, and so there were some rumors that he had uh, a year before at Edwards Air Force Base had made made a made a deal with the aliens to let them abduct people, and as, as long as we got the technology out of it, and I never bought into it. And uh, Corson was long in the years, and he only lived uh, less than a year after he uh, after uh, uh, '97.
3: Right, right, yeah. Uh, and
1: uh, Yeah, like that next year. So, you know, I'm kind of an older folk guy myself, and, I, and people, you got to cut older folks a little slack. Okay. Uh, they're going to exaggerate a little, and they may be telling the absolute truth, if they remember it, but uh, they have opinions and so forth. So I don't know why he based his opinion on uh, made a pact with the devil, mm-hmm. but I think maybe he was referring to that rumor that we're, that uh, uh, it came out of the I had a meeting at Edwards.
3: Yeah. And
1: uh, and um uh, but it uh, it never sat well with me. So uh, I know he met uh, he met uh, the alien development mm-hmm. And uh, I, I, this fellow that, that wrote me and i got the, the the gal the uh, whose who dad whose who dad was on the electrical pole and uh, those things that uh that the witnesses
2: is really fascinating. Right. Well, I, I have to agree with you, too. I think Eisenhower was too much a patriot to sort of sell us down to tubes. But, uh, you know, I guess history will tell. Mr. Campbell, one of these days, hopefully, you and I and all these other researchers will find out for sure what's going on. In the meantime, I have to take a quick break again. This is Kate Valentine. I am speaking with Arthur Campbell. We are on 1160 WVNJ. We'll be right back with you. In the meantime, you can always call us, 800-962-1160, or post your comments on our website, AtlanticCoastUFOs.com. Be right back.
0: When it comes to talk radio, there's a lot to choose from. Stations talking about news, stations talking about sports, a lot of stations talking about politics. And if you want to pay for it, you can even hear some kind of trashy guy talk. Well, at WVNJ, we've got a different kind of talk radio. Tune in to hear informative programs on health and wellness, finances and investing, the things that really matter to you. It's a different kind of talk radio at 1160 WVNJ and WVNJ.com.
3: Spaghetti. Again? We're, We're tired of choosing and picking. Hey, why don't we go out tonight? Enjoy a change of atmosphere. Yeah, I could really use a beer. Let's try, try something new. new. We'll make it a night of great food and fun. No shopping, chopping no dishes. We're headed, We're headed to, to Griffin's, Griffin's Restaurant. Restaurant.
0: Make it a night of great food and fun at Griffin's Restaurant on Madison Avenue in Creskill. Chef and owner Peter Dulligan will present you with a menu of food that will surprise, delight, and excite you. Just minutes from the George Washington Bridge, the Tappan Zee Route 80, and the Palisades Parkway. Griffin's Restaurant in Creskill. Call 201-541-7575. Holtech Video Labs in Tenafly, trusted since 1989 for film, video, and audio transfer, video editing, and production. Holtec offers video transferring services to and from any format in the world, including VHS, Beta, 8mm, Super 8, and DVD. Visit HoltechVideo.com or call 201-894-1778. Holtec Video Labs in Tenafly, where all alien formats are welcome.
2: Hi, welcome back to the Kate Valentine Show. We're on 1160 WVNJ, and we're talking today to ufologist Art Campbell, who has just given us a phenomenal insight into all the happenings of the 1950s. I think it's a period of history in this country that's sort of been left ignored for a long time. If you think so, give us a call, 800-962-1160. You can go to our website, AtlanticCoastUFOs.com. You know, really, this has been just such a great conversation. Thank you so much for being with us.
1: It's a real pleasure. And,
2: and, you know, going back to that military-industrial complex, you know, of course, Eisenhower is a general, World War II. And he appreciated the fact of the German army being able to move quickly on the Autobahn. And so one of the things that he did in his presidency that was outstanding was creating the interstate system of roads.
1: Yes, I agree. Uh, That was, uh, I believe, a bill Mm -hmm. that he sponsored uh, uh, in 1956. That's correct. It went through uh, both the House and the Senate. Mm -hmm. And uh, today we we go on all the freeways.
3: Mm -hmm.
1: Now, there's only one or two that were in existence in those days, and Mm -hmm. they were private. One was a Kansas Turnpike.
3: That's right. That was what right. the
1: Pennsylvania Turnpike.
2: Correct. That
3: was one and, of the and, first. And, uh,
1: but they, uh, all of this interstate highways now, uh, can be traced back to the, 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 President Eisenhower who felt we needed for our national defense, needed ways to get around the country. And, uh, we owe him a lot. He said it was a wonderful leisure.
2: Well, you you know, the other thing, too, is he so changed the American society. we used to be like agrarian, and we were spread out all over the map, and no one had much contact with anyone else. And now, uh, ever since it got so mobile, it really became an industrial economy. But as you say, though, he he did this uh, just as the Germans could have defended themselves along the Autobahn. He did do it as a defensive maneuver. And I was wondering if maybe he was expecting something or expecting us to be able to move very quickly, because I mean, there certainly was no threat from the Canadians or the Mexicans as far as invading the country, and uh, I, you know, so you have to wonder why he did it. I, I was wonderful for the economy and it put the veterans to uh, work, but, uh, oh,
1: uh, uh, but let me tell you, one of the reasons I think he did it—I was reading his biography uh, uh, some time back—he uh, took a trip. I believe in nineteen twenty one from coast to coast. Okay. And uh I think he realized at that time how poor and he was with a military unit. They weren't very big, was mm-hmm. all uh company sized unit.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: But he was with uh, uh mechanized unit at that time and of course you can't get too much mechanization in nineteen twenty one, but see we did have automobiles and we did have uh tank and so forth. So, um uh, crude, but but you could use uh, use them to get around it. well, I think he realized that we, we, we had the biggest country in the world other than Russia, and uh, uh, if we're going to defend our borders uh, our, on our coast, we have to have a good transportation and a way to get to and from each place. I think that stuck in his mind for years, and when he had a chance to put that national defense bill through, uh, in 1956, um, he did that. So every time any of your folks turn on the freeway, uh, you know, just say thanks, thanks, Ike, because he's responsible for most of them. Now, he's not responsible for the traffic.
2: hmm.
3: No. He's responsible for the
1: road.
2: <laughs> okay. That's good. Even that's not too bad these days. So, so, what do you think he thought of all this? Actually, it was funny with Brenda, her last comment on that web was that do you think Eisenhower was actually an alien? That's why they weren't concerned about him. Myself, I don't think so, but...
1: uh, 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 um, uh, Brenda, that's a refreshing uh, uh, thought. I I do not think he was an alien because we have all the records of him growing up in Abilene, Kansas. and uh, He was a typical uh, farm boy, uh, and uh, he he was living in a town where uh, uh, he was connected with... uh, uh, with a farming economy, a uh, cattle, and by the way, he worked at the creamery. Did he? But he was uh, a teenager, yeah. Huh. And uh, so uh, I, I, uh, he may have been, uh, he may have known a lot more about aliens than we do, but uh, I don't think he's one of them.
2: Yeah, I, I doubt it too. Although you know, I had a good friend that seemed to have been abducted at one time, or at least she claimed she was, and she swore that Carter was an alien. So. I mean, I know there's a lot of Republicans. Well, out there.
1: well I, I have heard that about most presidents, <laughs> but it's usually from somebody of the opposite party. There you go. <laughs> well, that, I, I, think, I don't think that rumor has, has died yet, uh, Jackie. Oh, really?
2: <laughs> well, I don't know, but um, I'll tell you, sometimes on some of them, you, you do have to wonder, don't you? <laughs> you know? you sure do. But, uh where
1: where people get their information if they if they're getting it at all
2: well, I don't know but uh but gee, I'll tell you i i I can't thank you enough for being here with us today. It's been a lot of fun, and again it's it's covering a lot of history that so frequently goes ignored i mean uh just um so important i mean, so much of what we have today was started then right after world war two uh, it was even the beginning of the space race, really.
1: Well, one of the that. things that they that they that they uh, impress on you at the, uh, the Eisenhower Library in Abilene uh, that he was a man of peace.
3: Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh,
1: not of war. Yes. And he said that himself. He would much rather have peace than war, but uh, but he, he'd go to war to have peace. So uh, that was a pretty good philosophy.
2: Oh uh, yeah, he definitely. I think anyone that's actually been involved in war and seen it up close wants peace, and that that they all say. But anyway, we're going to have to close fairly soon. and It's been wonderful talking to you. For uh, also, that crash at St. Augustine is fascinating. Uh, really, if you want to pick up a book, that's a great one to pick up. It's Arthur Campbell, UFO Crash at St. Augustine. You can get yeah. Oh, no, uh, the,
1: they, they can get that information on the uh, the okay. I do have one website, so that's why we had to put Eisenhower on there too.
2: Okay,
3: so
1: terrific. That, that,
2: Okay, so now, and also, if anybody out there knows anything about these stories, please give Art a call. Okay, I guess uh, got to close. As always, thank you, Bill Morady and today's engineer, Nico, for bringing the show to air. Most of all, thank you, the listening audience. Have a great weekend. We're going to see you next Friday at 1 when Jim Nichols will be our guest. And remember to keep your eye on the sky, but especially this weekend. Because uh, right now, as we speak, Friday, May 14th, 2.20 p.m., EDT Space Shuttle Atlantis is scheduled to launch. It'll be a great, great, incredible sky show Saturday and Sunday. Many observers will be able to see Atlantis and the International Space Station flying past Venus and the crescent moon in the evening sky. Not only that, a piece of wood from the tree that in 1666 supposedly dropped the apple that got Isaac Newton thinking about gravity, a piece of wood will be on the International Space Shuttle. So, even more reason to keep your eye on the sky. Look for everything this weekend. Bye.